0: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. 15, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. And the kick is blocked! The college football world!
1: Size of the fight in the
0: door. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Colleges Podcast. This is the 2019 College Football Preseason Betting Preview Part 7. I'm Stucky, and with me as always is Colin Wilson. Today we're going to close up the SEC uh, and talk SEC East, you know, it's going to be a lot of Georgia love. You ready to get into it, Colin? Yeah, I mean, it was our first bet
1: of the entire season was Georgia. The second we both saw a Georgia number, we got up out of our chairs, cracked open the wallet, I pulled back the rubber band. Yeah, Bulldogs all the way. and and
0: But you know what? they got to get through the East. Yeah, but before we get to Georgia, let's start with a team in my backyard, the Kentucky Wildcats, with one of the best seasons in program history last year. But they obviously lost a lot. Uh, including Benny Snell and Josh Allen, two of the best players in program history. They start off with some action, two MAC teams at home, uh, Eastern Michigan and Toledo. You know, not only did they lose Snell, they lost four of their top five receivers. The secondary is hurting. We're going to get into a lot of the specifics with Drew Franklin here in just a minute. Uh, they're 80 to 1 to win the SEC. Colin, you make their win total five and a half, and the over six and a half is juice. So I assume you like the under here.
1: Yeah, I like the under here. There's just it, it's hard to get to, you know to lose Benny Snell Jr. and Josh Allen and you know a host of other players and 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 try to rebound from that. I, I mean, unless you're one of those programs like in Ohio State or in Alabama or Clemson that just reloads. Uh, those are you know those are program defining players. I mean, they're 114th overall in returning production and the schedule I don't think is is as nice as last year's was. Have the Wildcats underdogs in six of their first seven conference games against Florida, Mississippi State. At South Carolina, I've got him as a short dog. Uh, they should get an easy win with Arkansas, <laughs> but they're going to be dogs at Georgia, Missouri, uh, and then Tennessee. And you know, in Tennessee, is going to should be able to you know throw the ball, and that's something that Kentucky is going to be susceptible to in the back seven this year. So the swing game in all of this is Tennessee. Uh, you know, six wins are expected in the first two games, and, and the last three with Arkansas mixed in. I think Tennessee is really the one that swings the win total here. So you might just want to straight up play that game.
0: Yeah, you also don't know how much better is going to be, right? And that's the last game of the year. Obviously, big in-state rivalry. So, you know, it's not a given they win that game as well. I think you have to go under, if anything, with Kentucky. I mean, do you think that there's any chance that Eastern Michigan or Toledo could pull off
1: the upset in Lexington? Eastern Michigan beat Purdue last year. I mean, Eastern Michigan loses a lot. Toledo too, right? Uh, yeah, Toledo. I mean, <laughs> Toledo can't play a lick at defense, and uh, Kentucky could trip up. I mean, they're primed with it with how much they've lost, but at the same time, it's not a conference schedule. It's not against teams that can expose them.
0: Yep. We'll know if the old Kentucky football is back if they drop one of those two games. Joining us now is Drew Franklin from Kentucky Sports Radio, personal friend of mine. Uh, what's going on, Drew? What's up, guys? What uh, You want to give everyone a quick background for those who don't know you?
2: Uh, yes, I cover the University of Kentucky, basketball and football for KentuckySportsRadio.com. We also have a KSR radio show weekday mornings, a pregame show, a TV show, a bar and restaurant. Uh, if it's happening around Lexington, I'm probably talking about it they're doing it. Lots of UK. Uh,
0: yes, and uh, let's get right into it and talk about the Cats and their football team this year. You know, they lost a lot. But what is the ceiling for this team? What has to go right to get there? And And on the other side of the... what's the floor and you know in order for them to get there what has to go really wrong
2: well as you probably know a lot of people are calling for kentucky football to return back to the old ways of kentucky kentucky football not that long ago uh last year's 10 win season was very rare never happened in my lifetime until last year but uh, i actually don't think they'll fall too far the whole key of the season i think falls in the hands of terry wilson at qb we did our radio show at uk football media day we had on Coach Mark Stoops, a lot of the assistants, a lot of the players. Every one of them basically said, "We go as far as Terry carries us this year." I'm expecting good things from him. He seems like a leader. He's put on some muscle. This is year two. I think he's going to have a, a, a lot of development going into that. So I think they could get to nine wins. I'm not ready to put it at ten, but uh, ceiling. I think if Terry shows out, they can get to uh, they can get to nine. Have a good year. As for the floor, um, Kentucky just lost the only returning player. In the secondary that has played any minute i cover the team for a living and i don't even know who they're going to roll out there in the secondary Things get really ugly with that but still the schedule gives them four easy games i think absolutely worst case scenario you win the four non-conference and go 0 for in the sec but i can't imagine that will happen but it's possible if the secondary is terrible
1: yeah that loss in the secondary was brutal because they really didn't really have anybody else coming back but which unit do you think is going to struggle the most because of the departures the defense with Josh Allen and others moving on or the offense with Benny Snell Jr.?
2: This is going to sound crazy because Josh Allen and Benny Snell are two of the best ever at U.K., and you lose them both. But the running backs and the linebackers are two of the groups I'm actually most excited about, even with those guys gone. Running backers, a lot of pieces that they'll have to go out there and do it, but uh, coaches are very excited about it. AJ Rose, he's going to be a star. I think if we didn't just come off Benny, people would be very excited about him defense, they're very deep at linebacker. Obviously, no J- Josh Allen. Uh, a lot of guys are going to step up in the stack department, but I don't think either one of those specific positions are going to struggle. I'll go back to the secondary. As uh, I'll say the defense is where the problem will be, and it's not because of the loss of Allen. Devontae Robinson went down right before fall camp with a quad injury. I mean, he could play every position out there. He's the only one that ever had meaningful minutes. He was the vocal leader in a position where communication is key And with him gone, I don't know who it's going to be, but there's going to be a lot of random guys out there. A lot of them highly touted guys, but I think the the defense is going to struggle because of the secondary, not because Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars is gone.
1: Yeah, this Kentucky team, it just reminds me so much of what was going on with Arkansas back in 2010. And the comparison that I have is that we had just won 10 games. We had made a Sugar Bowl, first time we'd ever made a BCS Bowl. Uh, our recruiting had not like, you know, stepped up in the top half. It's just so hard to get to move up in the SEC, just the way with the, the teams are established. Uh, but we were able to get there with 10 wins. And we thought that this was our new norm, that this would be something that we would contend for every single year. And then, you know, our coach falls off a motorcycle. Uh, John L. Smith comes in for a while and all everything, you know, shit went rolled downhill is Kentucky now elevated the program to where it's just eight, nine, 10 wins as the new norm, or is the fan base thinking maybe, you know, it was just a one-off and we're going to come back to the pack.
2: Oh God. I hope, I hope the new standard is seven or eight wins. I'm the I'm <laughs> rare UK fan who likes football more than basketball. That just doesn't happen in the state. I've been diehard UK football fan forever. So as much as I want to say, we we've elevated. I'm a little hesitant. I'm okay with saying we can expect seven every year now. I mean, we're only three or four years removed from just begging to go to any bowl game. We didn't care where you put us, we just wanted six wins in a bowl game. So this is a new territory, but I'm okay with saying seven's a new standard. Eight, my you, bill.
1: Do you think we'll see any changes with the new defensive coordinator, Brad White? He was an outside linebacker coach last year and now he's taken over as defensive coordinator, but is that gonna be any new schemes or do you think he's gonna change the defense any to cover up, you know, something that's going on in the secondary with a the depletion there and then maybe having more depth in the linebackers?
2: Uh, I don't think so, and that was a pretty big question this summer, but he seemed to answer it here recently as they're starting their talking season at fall camp. They're pretty set on sticking with that 3-4 uh, defense. He loves the versatility and confusing the opposing quarterbacks, as he put it. I think they're going to be great in the trenches. Maybe the best defensive line Stoops has had since he's been here. Linebacker, you got a lot of guys. hate to keep harping on the secondary. They'll have to find some ways to cover up their weaknesses so that they don't get guys to, to uh, perform. But I think we're going to see pretty much the same schemes from uh, a year ago when he was just the linebacker's coach. And Stoops, even though uh, Brad Weiss is a coordinator, Stoops kind of still puts his stamp on what that defense does.
0: Yeah, I mean, Drew, look, I have uh, kind of been baptized into the Kentucky family, not as diehard or as long a fan as you, obviously. But I think that the way that we know that we could start to, you know, Assume Kentucky's going to get to seven wins every year is if they don't lose one of those first two games against Toledo and Eastern Michigan, uh, and they start off two and zero with Florida coming in. Uh, You mentioned the secondary; there are also some, you know, on the outside on both sides of the ball. I think they lost, you know, four of their top five receivers, so there's some questions on the outside of receiver. Do you have any thoughts there? And then ultimately, what is your? You know, you mentioned the ceiling and the floor. What is your? prediction for the season and would you bet over or under six and a half wins for Kentucky
2: Uh, I'll start with the receivers Lynn Bowden is going to be a star and if he didn't play at UK the whole nation would be talking about him right now if he were at a Texas or a USC or another program the SEC he'd already be a household name around him they're gonna have to find a guy but honestly in the last three years of having Benny Snell we didn't see him throw the ball anyway so we're kind of used to not having uh, wide receivers do much, but um, Lynn will definitely need help if they're going to throw it around a lot more. He has four career punt returns. Two of them went for touchdowns. He's batting 500 on uh, uh, punt returns. Amazing. But uh, yeah, I would take the over at six and a half. I think the, the schedule really plays in their favor this year because their opponent in the West is, uh, no offense, Arkansas who's coming off with a two-win season and hits at home. And then the Louisville game, which is normally a tough one, usually the underdog. I mean, Louisville sucks right now. So with the non-conference games and kind of Arkansas being a little easier of a West opponent, I think they go over six. I'll put them at seven wins. I kind of want to go eight. Without being a homer, I'll I'll say it's a seven-win season.
0: There you go. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Drew. I look forward uh, to watching some Kentucky football with you this year. Thanks for filling us in, and uh, enjoy your week, brother.
2: Yeah, let's do this in person next time with a drink somewhere since we're in the same city.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, brother. Have a good one, man. See you. All right, so let's move on to our beloved Georgia Bulldogs, who we bet to win it all uh, last year while watching right after the national championship, Westgate. That number is no longer available. They're plus 300 to win the SEC, which is the number I prefer for any of you that don't have any action on Georgia yet. Also plus 120 to make the playoff. I like that also. Their win total is 11 plus 110 on the over. Colin, you project 10.8. Look, they got Jake Fromm back. Their offensive line is loaded. Fromm at quarterback. DeAndre Swift, Philly guy, running back, electric. It's all about the receiving core for this offense. If the receiving core can come uh-huh. together, this offense is going to be unstoppable. Uh, they also have podcast favorite, Rodrigo Blankenship, blank kicking field goals. So he'll be bombing them from 50 plus if their offense isn't punching it in the end zone. Uh, defense, you know, there's some inexperience, but talent at linebacker. So there's some questions there. The one thing that I noticed when looking, you know, at George's schedule, it, I mean, it just immediately stuck out to me when I was going through these teams, they play so many teams off of buys. And I mean, it's just like they play Florida off a of buy. And then the next week they play after that Florida game, which is in Jacksonville, they obviously have a buy before that too, but then they play Missouri and Missouri's off a of buy. And then they play at Auburn and Auburn's off a of buy earlier in the year. They're at Tennessee, Tennessee's off a of buy. The next week, they play South Carolina in Athens. South Carolina's off a of bye. So, you know, I, I, it's something that I did notice. Now, the schedule is difficult, but not as difficult as some we've seen. They start at Vandy, which is an odd first game. But then they're home against Murray State, home against Arkansas State, home against Notre Dame, you know, bye at Tennessee. Florida and Jacksonville is going to be a huge game for both of those win totals and, and how the SEC plays out. At Auburn, another huge game. You know, and they finish up with Texas A&M at home. Well, maybe tricky. Then at Georgia Tech, uh, which should be an easy win. But what are your thoughts on the Bulldogs? Before we get into our pick for the national
1: champion, obviously our, our, I guess, our pick to win the SEC. If you had Rodrigo Blankenship in his prime versus Sebastian Janikowski in his prime, they each get ten kicks from sixty yards out. Who would you take to win that? Who would you throw money down to win that kick battle?
0: Uh, Justin Tucker. <laughs>
1: All right, so moving on to the Bulldogs. Yeah, Stuck points out a lot of the problems with the wide receivers. You know, it's empty. Jake Fromm doesn't have any continuity with any of the returning players. Uh, You know, so Nicole Hardman is gone. DeAndre Swift, I I know he's a great running back, and I know uh, Holyfield has left but I'm not buying all the Heisman love that there is for DeAndre Swift. And the reason is because Samir White is a redshirt freshman behind him. Uh, James Cook is going to get plenty of looks. This is a loaded unit at running back. So just as far as the Heisman goes with DeAndre Swift, I just don't think that's a very good bet, very good value. I think Fromm's going to get most of the attention. But this, the running back core is loaded on this Georgia team. They have been for a long time. I think the where, where I want to focus really is on the defense because – for them to win the national championship, for Georgia to do everything that we need them to do to cash a ticket, they're going to have to do something that they did two years ago that they didn't do last year, and that is cause a ton of havoc. So the linebackers, they lose a few starters, uh, but you know Kirby Smart has mentioned a uh, true freshman by the name of Nolan Smith, one of the highest talented, you know, defensive players to come out of high schools in, in a long time. Uh, and he's a guy who ha- he has said by name through the spring, he said it in the summer, and he said it this early, that that is a guy that I will throw in there immediately because I think he can cause fumbles. He can make turnovers. They're, the name of the game for Georgia is causing turnovers. Now, the Georgia defense last year, they were great. They were eighth in S&P+. Plus. Uh, but they were 75th overall in Havoc, so they were really good at, at uh, you know, defending explosive plays. They were efficient. Three and out, you're off the field. Uh, even if you had long drives, they were keeping it short. that You couldn't explode on them whatsoever. But the problem was, is the Georgia defense was never causing any turnovers whatsoever. They didn't have a lot of sacks. They didn't have any pass breakups. That Roquan Smith factor from two years ago wasn't there and if you want to dominate and you want to win the college football playoff you need to have clemson's defense from last year you need to have what georgia was fielding two years ago i mean it took an act of god or we'll say an act of tua to beat georgia two years ago so that's that's the kind of defense you got to field and that's what georgia will be looking for uh you know schedule's tough everybody's coming off of a bye uh you know but i expect them to win the east they're my pick to make the playoff they're my pick to win the sec uh so we're completely behind this georgia team but we're keeping an eye on the wide receiver core
0: yeah, and also another thing to keep in mind for the the secondary, which you mentioned, is replacing DeAndre Baker. So you know who's now in the Giants, mm-hmm. but he was you know their all world cornerback. So you know, there's some questions with this Georgia team uh, and this schedule. You know that's obviously going to be tough playing in the SEC. Uh, but I agree. I think they're getting to the SEC championship uh, and they're winning it and going to the college football playoff. Uh, and look, there's, I don't think there's any value left in the futures market. You would agree, right? So the ba- way to go is yeah. either SEC or make playoff. Yeah. To win the SEC is about the That's
1: better value than actually making the playoffs. So I, I would, I would take that because I, I think it's more likely they win the East than they would make the playoff without winning the SEC title. So yeah, SEC. All
0: right, let's move on to maybe the most interesting team in the sec this year because of a bowl ban on um, that's Missouri their win total eight and a half over and a half plus 120 which you might say wow the sec is you know it's always going to be so loaded And Missouri's win total is eight and a half with a bowl ban you make their win total 9.4 they obviously oh. don't have odds to win the sec because of this bowl ban now I don't know if it's going to get overturned I don't think so especially this late so I assume it's going to stick they have you know, what my biggest question for them going into the season, though, is which way did they they go because of this bowl ban, right? So, does it do they rally around it? Uh, or, you know, if they take an early loss, does it end up, you know, deflating them? And then, you know, all of a sudden you could see them lose a bunch of games that they really shouldn't because the reason their win total is so high, the reason you make it over nine, you know, close to nine and a half is because their schedule is extremely easy. Now, this is for an SEC team. I mean, they could potentially start out. and they're just beating Wyoming at Wyoming, West Virginia at home, Southeast Missouri at home, South Carolina at home, Troy at home, Ole Miss at home, at Vandy at Kentucky. So you're talking, you know, all those games are winnable. You're talking potentially 8-0 undefeated on November 9th going to Athens. I don't think they could win that game, but fascinating nonetheless. Uh, You know, they have the best tight end in the conference. They did lose Emmanuel Hall, but they still have a solid receiving core. You know, Kelly Bryant in at quarterback, Larry Roundtree will pound it in the backfield. There's questions, some questions about the offensive line and at linebacker. But this team's pretty good. It's just a matter of where do they stay mentally all year? And and if can they start out 8 0 no. If they do, you know, they close out at Arkansas with Tennessee at home. So even if they lose at Georgia, even if they lose to Florida, you know, they will most likely win one of those final two games um, and cash that over eight and a half plus one twenty. I think the number, you know, is maybe a little low. What are your thoughts on the Tigers?
1: Yeah, I think it's low. I definitely like the over with this team. Kelly Bryant, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder coming into Missouri. Uh, you know, Missouri was able to beat Arkansas and a couple other teams for his services, uh, so he already had. A monster uh, chip on his shoulder from what happened at Clemson last year with handing over the reins to Trevor Lawrence right before uh, you know burning that red shirt in his senior year Uh, so you know he leaves the program he sits out for the rest of the games which was a really tough decision for him and a tough decision for Dabo I mean I applaud Dabo for being honest with the kid but at the same time that depth could have been used for the remainder of the season so he gets to Missouri and they get a bull ban for for reporting us Self reporting a violation and they get a bull ban for it, which is, it's just the most ridiculous thing. There's other podcasts out there that will talk about, you know, the politics of the NCAA and all that stuff, but this enhances how pissed off Missouri is. I mean, they're really not happy about the, you know, what's going on with their program and, and, and they feel like they're kind of wasting a year, especially Kelly Bryant, who's there to, you know, possibly contend for the SEC. And now they can't do that. So, you know, he's the depth of quarterback. Uh, it's not going to be as great as we thought it was going to be because TCU transfer Sean Robinson, talk about NCA politics. I mean, there's there's no reason that TCU transfer Sean Robinson is being denied his waiver. He, he claimed he was treated unfairly at, at TCU. And so he was denied. So he won't be able to back up Kelly Bryant. So quarterback depth took a little bit of a hit here in the last couple of weeks, but Missouri's loaded at wide receiver with with jonathan johnson arkansas transferred jonathan nance he was a freak for us for the razorbacks and uh transferred out was not agreeing with morris's system Jalen knox is back running back larry roundtree returns to a top 10 offense easiest non-conference in the sec i think by far that's saying something with arkansas out there you know wyoming west virginia who's completely reloaded with a new coach uh southeast missouri Semo as we like to call him down here uh you know they get the across division they get they get the bottom feeders in arkansas and old miss i love the over on this team all the way but i mean you're right about this they got a chip on their shoulder they're hot pissed and if they come out and they take a loss or two and then you know could, could it deflate them could it knock them off but
0: other than that i think i think they're
1: you know full steam ahead
0: yeah they go up to La- uh they go up to laramie week one and lose what happens it could get ugly, but I agree. I think on the surface, the number is probably a little low. Missouri will be an intriguing team to watch uh, all season long to see where they stay mentally, uh, if they can you know stay undefeated or if they take a loss, what happens. Uh, so a, an intri- intriguing team to watch week to week as well. Um, all right, let's move on in the SEC East to the Florida Gators. A win total for Florida, 9 over 9 plus 140. Colin, you make it 8.9. Uh, They're 10 to one to win the sec. Uh, You know, this team is pretty loaded, right? So P Ryan is back in the backfield. You have Felipe Franks and the Dan Mullen effect. We all know the impact he has on quarterbacks. So it's going to be the second year for Franks under Mullen. You know, they're going to be playing their spread attack. They have really solid receivers. It's really all about the offensive line on the offensive side. Only one returning starter. They lost, I think over 140 starts up front and look they start off and I know you said on our previous podcast that you like Florida on August 24th which is coming up here uh, against Miami games in Orlando but one of the questions I really have about that game and you're really going to learn a lot about Florida their offensive line against that you know those Miami linebackers and are they going to allow pressure on Franks uh, you know because we all know how much Miami loves to get in the backfield so you know that's Uh, a major question mark in that week one because if the offensive line comes together, you know, this Mullen offense has a lot of potential. You also have Grantham back with his aggressive three, four, you know, they have, and it really works with their corners. They have, especially CJ Henderson is one of the best in the country. Um, But yeah, that offensive line is my biggest question mark. Nick Buchanan, their center is the only returning starter. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Gators this year?
1: Yeah. Spot on with the offensive line. I mean, they, uh, you know, they lost 152 career starts uh, and, and, you know, every every other every other unit is completely fully stocked, even even the special teams. Uh, But the offensive line loses those four players and then other players that were, you know, that was the entire depth. Uh, you know, the offensive line was first in the country in sack rate. So you saw Felipe Franks have this amazing turnaround last year and everybody, you know, I mean, Dan Mullen is the quarterback whisperer. But at the same time, you're I mean, there was so much experience on the offensive line. It gave Felipe Franks enough time to make these decisions. So that's something that you're gonna have to watch against Miami. And if you put two and two together, as much as I think about Dan Enos and the offensive coordinator at Miami and and the Nicosi Perry and the Tate Martell situation, there's probably gonna be a first half under ticket in my back pocket during that uh, week zero game. But you know, there's major offensive improvements across the board since Dan Mullen got there. We expected that. They were fifteenth in third down success. They were twentieth in rushing S P plus. They were 31st in passing S P plus. Uh, if the offensive line can can, you know, hold together and, and give Felipe Frank some time, we should see those exact same numbers. So eight point nine is where I have this, but asking them to get to 10 wins is is, is a is a big ask. I mean, it's gonna to be tough for the Gators. I'm not down on them by any means, but at the same time, this schedule, I mean, you're asking them to play LSU, which will be a revenge game. Uh, and then Georgia is on the schedule. I mean, that looks like a 10-2 and two season right there. And that's a great season for them. But the schedule includes Miami, which, you know, I do think is a win. But Florida State, don't count
0: them out. I think I'm the only one that's behind Florida State. But they have to Huge revenge, too, for Florida Lumber. State in that game. Because Florida ended their, I mean, whooped their ass and ended their their bowl streak last year at the end of the season
1: absolutely absolutely but i mean missouri and auburn's on the schedule too i mean this is not an easy schedule whatsoever for them to get to 10 wins which is what you're going to have to have to cash an over ticket so i'm not necessarily promoting the under but if i if i had to make a play on this i would take i have taken under nine a little bit a little bit when the juice was at the, at the perfect price uh but i don't just can't see any way they make 10 wins with this uh with the schedule
0: yeah, I mean, in order to get to 10, you're going to, they have to, number one, they have to beat, I think, Miami and Florida State, their bookends of their schedule, which isn't a given, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then, you know, you're having, you're at LSU, at South Carolina, the week after, Auburn at home, Georgia and Jacksonville, at Missouri. So there's, you know, the SEC schedule is tough, and they're going to have no shot to get the 10 wins if they don't sweep those two bookends. And both those games might be a little tougher than people thought, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what we learn about that Florida offensive line right off the bat. Uh, Against Miami, I won't be investing in Florida's win total. I think it's pretty spot on. Uh, But that uh, that matchup in Orlando against Miami will be fascinating. Um, All right, let's move on to Tennessee. Win total six and a half over minus one thirty. You make their win total five point eight. That's what you project. Uh, You know they're eighty to one to win the SEC. They do have eight home games. They have you know Gortano back at quarterback, although depth is a big issue there. You know, they're loaded at receiver. They have experience at offensive line and running back. Uh, You know, there's some on the defensive side, you know, there's some questions. They have Gibbs, the Georgia transfer, who's not playing this year. Aubrey Solomon, a defensive tackle. I don't know if he's been cleared yet, but that would be huge because they lost all three starters on their defensive line in that 3-4. So they're going to be relying on a lot of Juco transfers to step in uh, and some young, inexperienced guys. So, you know, this team, it has some talent. And experience, there's some questions though in the trenches, also in the offensive line. You know, does Trey Smith is their guard? Does he play? He has blood clots, so there's questions there. You know, it's I think six and a half is a little high, especially juiced minus 130. I know it's Jeremy Pruitt, their pro style, the transition to three four in the second year. They also have Baylen Buchanan, Ray Buchanan's son or nephew. He's going to play the star position, but he's hurt. They don't know if he'll play. So there's a lot of questions with this Tennessee team. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Vols?
1: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of questions still out there amongst the coaching ranks of whether Jeremy Pruitt's going to succeed as a head coach the way Kirby Smart has after leaving. I have to say the public has done a lot better with Tennessee this year. It just seems like clockwork. We get to the second week of August, and I've heard somebody – whether I've tuned into Finebaum or somebody has said Tennessee national championship or Tennessee SEC <laughs> champion, so I haven't heard that yet, which is a good thing. So maybe something will happen this year, but they are second overall in the nation at returning production. That's a good thing. Justin Garantano is—he's getting plenty of preseason love. He's getting a lot of attention, uh, but he's got to avoid getting sacked. He's had 22 sacks last year at a rate of 8.2 percent for honest his dropbacks, and you know some of that's not all on the offensive line. Some of that's on him. Uh, you know they had a top five strength of schedule in 2018. Uh, the defense was 115th in success rate and 98th in Havoc and 97th in finishing drives. I'm willing to kind of let it all all that go because they played a really tough schedule last year. But now they really kind of need to turn it up and, and be better defensively. Uh, they play four teams coming off of a bye this year. All have been a month stretch, like Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama, all come off of a bye. That's going to be really hard for Tennessee. And BYU is this team that everybody overlooks, but they will physically manhandle you and beat you up, even though you may win the game. Uh, you're not going to feel good the following week. So, uh, you know, like we said, four teams off of a bye, BYU has extra rest. So Tennessee is going to take their licks. It's an underplay for me. It's, a, you know, more close to a no play for me because. There's some hype on Tennessee. I think if we see it move up just a tick, you know, it's one of those things we wait till the third week of August, we see a tick up, then uh, I'd happily play the under on these guys.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, because, look, SEC, tough schedule, which we've said throughout. And, you know, they, Georgia State, Chattanooga wins at home. If you assume, you know, they, they beat Vandy, although they haven't, at home to close out the year. You assume they beat UAB at home, although UAB's off a of bye. And South Carolina will soon they beat them at home. That's five wins. In order to find two more, I mean, if you want to give them BYU, that's six. Then there's at Florida, Georgia, Mississippi State, at Alabama, you know, at Kentucky, at Missouri. So they're going to have to get one of those to get the seven, assuming they win all those other games, including BYU. So, yeah, I think it'll be tough. I think that number's a little high. Still tough to go under now. I completely agree with you, though. If we see a seven, you got to go under because I don't see there's any way they get to eight wins on their schedule. Would you agree with that? Huh. I absolutely agree. Yep. All right. Let's stay in the state of Tennessee and talk about Vanderbilt. Uh, their win total is four and a half. The over Westgate uh, minus minus one forty. You project 4.9 wins three 300 to one to win the SEC. There's some interesting pieces on, especially on offense at Vandy, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, he's electric at running back can break one at any time, you know, Lipscomb at receiver, Pickney at tight end. You know, these are potentially, you know, second team, third team, all SEC this year. Uh, They do have a new offensive coordinator in. He was the quarterback coach for the last three years. The biggest question is who's going to be quarterback. I believe it'll be Ball State transfer Riley Neal. Um, You know, but there's also questions about the offensive line. They lost a ton on defense, uh, but it'll come down to quarterback play on the offense. But there are some questions about the defense. you project 4.9 over – Four and a half minus 140. So you think this is about spot on? What are your thoughts on the doors? Yeah, that's spot on.
1: I think the thing that we're – I mean, they lost quarterback Kyle Shermer. He was—he uh, had 24 touchdowns with six interceptions. He was he was great for Vanderbilt last year. I found myself on Vanderbilt a lot last year. Riley Neal comes in from Ball State. He's a fantastic quarterback on the MAC level. We found ourselves playing Ball State whenever we could get him and the rest of the squad healthy. Uh, specifically, I think that Notre Dame game was a big one for us. But they lose 97 career starts on the offensive line. That's tough. That's going to be hard to rebound, and their schedule – You lose Hmm. ninety-seven starts on the offensive line, and you start with Georgia, Purdue, and LSU. I mean, Mason got a contract extension back in February, but I think the worst thing that could happen is that they just get the doors blown off of them the first, you know, through September, uh, and and you know, and and they're reconsidering their position on how they feel about their head coach because I think he's a great fit for them and what they can get done with sort of the academic standards that they have there. So brutal schedule to start. Uh, You know, four point nine. I'd be shocked if they got to five. Uh, So, you know, four at best.
0: Yeah, I mean, here's a question for you. Are you a fan of these week one conference matchups? You know, we have uh, like Vanderbilt, Georgia. I'm personally not, but what are your thoughts? (sighs) I'm not. I
1: I, I actually am not because – you know, you're going to look back. You may, you're you going to be a different, completely different team. Think about some of the thoughts that you had in week zero, week one, week two of last year versus the thoughts that you had in week 10, week 11. Teams transform. We just talked about LSU. I mean, teams are different at the end of the season. Than they were at the beginning, and you could be penalized, uh, you know, for getting better on in the season. I just I feel like you should figure out who your team is. There's no preseason in college football. NFL has a preseason. They have a stupid-ass Hall of Fame game. Where you can't have any points scored, and there's quarterbacks out there that I think have been migrated down from Canada. College football has no preseason whatsoever. They have two days practices where they beat the crap out of each other. Then they show up, and you're going to play one of the biggest games of the season in the very first week. I mean, put Chattanooga on the schedule. Put UC Davis on the schedule. You know, go go schedule someone in FCS. I, I don't think you should be playing these games in week one.
0: Yeah, or play that UN. play UNLV on October 12th. Play that to start. Look, another game that's kind of tricky. On their schedule. I know Northern Illinois. I know they lost a lot. Coaching changes. We'll get to them in the group of five podcast. But Vanderbilt starts off said Georgia at Purdue, LSU after a bye. And then in between a game against LSU and at Ole Miss, they played Northern Illinois at home. Northern Illinois is coming off of a bye. Not as easy as it might look, you know, even though Northern Illinois lost a lot. Oh, that group of five pot is coming. I can feel it. Can't wait. Um, All right, let's move on to the final team in the SEC East, uh, and that's South Carolina. Win total, five and a half. The over is minus 130. You project 5.2. They're 80-1 to to win the SEC. We've hinted at this a number of times, and we've talked about a lot of schedules, but there is – not a single schedule in the country, in my eyes, harder than South Carolina's. So when you look at this team on the surface, you kind of get excited. They've really experienced Jake Bentley back again under center. Now, there's some offensive line questions, and they did lose Debo Samuel, which is you know, their leading receiver, also will, was big in the return game. But, you know, there's a lot of pieces here. But then you look at the schedule, and I don't, I can't find six wins. You know, they you know they have North Carolina and Charlotte to start and Charleston Southern at home. You know, and then they also have Vanderbilt at home, App State at home, you know, and Kentucky at home. Give them those five wins. The rest of their games are ridiculously difficult. You're talking Bama, at Missouri, at Georgia, Florida, at Tennessee, at Texas A&M. Oh, yeah, and they finish off with Clemson. The Texas A&M's off a bye also uh, at Texas A&M. So they're playing Alabama, Georgia, and Texas A&M, and Clemson. Oh, yeah, and Florida. I mean, this schedule is an absolute gauntlet. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Gamecocks?
1: Yeah, so South Carolina got positive bumps for returning production, and they got negative bumps in the offseason for second-order win total, so they were a little bit lucky last year. I yeah. think the biggest thing that we need to talk about is – Jake Bentley, uh, who had issues over the years with his accuracy, you know, doing things too fast and missing receivers. He's been driving a Ferrari the last two years, and that Ferrari's name is Debo Samuel, and Samuel's gone. So I just, I don't know, I, I know there's other guys in the pipeline, there's other wide receivers, and the Ortray Smith, uh, the redshirt sophomore, he'd be the the biggest talent at wide receiver that they've got if he's healthy. But, I mean, even last year with all of this that he had in the wide receiver core, he was 27 touchdowns and 14 INTs. His, accuracy and his completion rate have to be top-notch when he's lost his best weapon. You know, they were a bit unlucky in conference play last year. If you look at net turnovers just in conference play alone, they were minus six. So they were almost averaging a turnover per game. So it's, you know, some pretty tough luck for them. And and they've just got to be better at protecting the ball. But a lot of that is Jake Bentley. You look at how many, you know, interceptions he's got. A lot of that falls on Bentley's shoulders too. Defense last year was 120th in success rate. They're outside the top 100 against rush efficiency and stuff, rate. Right? They're not controlling the trenches. They're not getting offenses off the field whatsoever. I don't think that's going to get any better this season. And some of these games we've named off that, you know, that they could win these five games they could win. I think Appalachian State's going to give them a hell of a time. I think some of these teams can actually challenge them, especially if it's a South Carolina team that's uh, beat up or, or have injuries or, or missing some players for, from some of their bigger games. So, you know, I think Muschamp's going to be on the hot seat. Uh, for all the SEC coaches, I think Muschamp might be the one that is in the most trouble towards the end of the season.
0: Fair enough. Are you, will you be wagering on this win total or staying away and just looking for them in the season?
1: I'm not going to wager on them. I'll be looking for them within the
0: season. Uh, like I said, they, they've they got some
1: schedules. They, they've got some things on the schedule. It's going to be really tough for them to bounce back. I think it's going to be a time time to hammer them, especially especially teams that are going to be able to give Jake Bentley problems and pass coverage. I think that's the important thing. So when they play secondaries that can cause a lot of havoc in the back seven, uh, that's going to be a time to play against South Carolina. All
0: right, that'll wrap up the entire SEC. But before we get out of here, let's do a quick recap and maybe give our one or two favorite win totals. Uh, In the SEC East, uh, where are you going?
1: I'm going to start off with a Missouri over eight and a half. I have them projected at 9.4 just for everything that we talked about. You know, as far as Georgia goes, I'm taking them to win the SEC. I think the national championship number is a little bit deflated. There's still value in them winning the SEC. Uh, and then I'm going to take Kentucky a little, a little bit of light money, a little, bit, a little bit of couch change on the Kentucky under. I think it's going to be impossible for them to bounce back from what they had. Secondary scares me, as, uh, as Drew Franklin told us. Uh, so I'm going to go under on six and a half with the Cats.
0: I would agree with you on that one. Although don't tell anyone, including my girlfriend or her family. Uh, and <laughs> the, But my favorite bet in the SEC East is on Georgia. I think the 11 is probably spot on. Uh, I'm not going to be betting on their win total. But to win the SEC, to make the playoff, we obviously have the national title futures. So that's my favorite in the East. Uh, in the SEC West, what do you got? Their only win total I mean,
1: that I really like is an over on Mississippi State. Uh, I have it projected at 9.1. I think, like we said, addition by subtraction, Nick Fitzgerald is gone. Tommy Stevens knows Joe Moorhead's system. Uh, I think it's it's going to be a real boost for them, even though they lose a whole bunch on defense. So I'll take Mississippi State over 7.5. Look for the best juice possible. Take Arkansas under 5.5. That's a huge jump for them. Going from one FBS win last year over Tulsa to jump to six wins total, that's that's a pretty large jump. So I would take the under on Arkansas. If you can find that uh if you can find that juice, also shop around for an Alabama no to make the college football playoff. Those are plus odds out there. And that is uh, you know, that that in my opinion, I'm gonna back that up with my own money. I love Alabama no to make the playoff.
0: Yep, yeah. And to add on to that, I love Alabama under. 11 and a half wins, even with the juice. You know, there's three potential losses in this schedule with at Texas A&M, at Miss State, who's off a bye, and at Auburn. Uh, I see them losing at least one of those games. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost two. Yeah, I'm going under with Alabama. I agree with you. Well, I'll listen to you in Arkansas. Look, and on this podcast, you don't get any biases. We're under, under Kentucky and under Arkansas. Uh, I think, generally speaking, LSU is pretty spot on. Same with Auburn. Uh, you know, Texas A&M as well, uh, but I would look under with Ole Miss. I agree with you on over on Miss State, but I would look under Ole Miss. It's just, look, there's so many changes there. On that offensive side of the ball, there's going to be, you know, Rich Rod in, Mike McIntyre in defense. I think those are good hires, but just the amount of turnover, even the offensive line. Uh, so, you know, it's – the depth is an issue, like I mentioned, with the sanctions. So, you know, I think that there's five wins on the schedule that they can get. I just don't see how they can get to six. Uh, So I'll be investing there in under five wins. All right. Thanks, Colin, for joining me. Thanks to our guest, Drew Franklin. Look, we're now talking days until the first college football game. We still have our group of five podcast. We still have our recap where we're going to go through all of our favorite win totals and futures for each conference. And then it's game time, baby. We'll be talking about week zero, week one, whatever you want to call it. Uh, So thank you for listening make sure you rate review if you haven't already subscribe unsubscribe you know the deal and we'll catch y'all next time cheers peace Peace out. out